This is Dai's NQBX, the podcast, episode 254, for the week of April 10th, 2011. Welcome to Dai's NQBX, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fansite, Dai's NQBX. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in the hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Joining me through a severely delayed, well, I guess just delayed on my end, uh, across the internet feed from Japan, Mr. Julian and the little one with uh, a bunny being chomped on. Yes. How's it going over there? Not bad. Today her fifth tooth finally came in on the bottom left. Oh, so, so cute. she's been she's been a little bit fussy about that, and by a little I mean a lot. Aww. Bunny, bunny, bunny. I love watching her chomp down on things. All right, so we got Julian over there. That leaves me. My name is Mike Vegito Ex. Julian, it's gonna be you and I. We're gonna do the non-topical stuff this episode. We've got uh, we've got some great emails that I've been holding for you specifically. So I'm pretty excited to get to those. But we got a bunch of news as well, and then later on this episode, our buddy Jake Hearn from Constantai. He's going to join me and we're going to do part two of Toriyama's intended endings to the series. Julian, did you get a chance to listen to uh first part of that episode that we did? I did, actually. I thought it was very, very in-depth and very informative. So if you haven't checked it out already, please do. Nice. And as you'll hear, we talk about um, later on that segment, um, the guys over Constantai, they put up that section on the site now, finally. So you can read it and you can listen to it. It's, it's good stuff. So uh, you will notice that we took a week off last week. The wife and I took a long weekend. We went down to D.C., looked at some monuments and some museums and stuff. I was thinking maybe I'd get around to doing an episode, but you know what? Every once in a while, we need to take a week off. So that was good. That's where we were last week, but we're back with you this week. We've got part two of that discussion that's going to be the topic. In terms of random Dragon Ball stuffage housekeeping, I got in a couple extra of those Legend of Cyan figures, so I've got four of them now. I was hoping to have the review done for the website uh, this weekend. I may not necessarily have it done in time, but it'll probably be up Monday or Tuesday. And depending on the time you're listening to this podcast, that means it may actually be up there. Only other thing I want to mention is that the Kenji Yamamoto retrospective is indeed live on the website. We were talking about that last few times on the show. So if you want to read in depth of all the music that has been stolen over the years, definitely a great read. So that's uh that's all the little stuffage. You ready to hit the news, dude? Well, I think so. Uh, let's get a baby up in here. So, Dragon Ball SD gets a second chapter. So last November, we learned about a new quarterly magazine coming out from Shueisha called Saikyo Jump, which would contain spin-off chapters from a bunch of popular series, so things like Chopper Man as a spin-off to One Piece, for example. In its debut issue last December, a one-shot chapter called Dragon Ball SD was produced by Naho Oishi who had previously drawn the two-part manga adaptation of the 2008 Jump Super Anime Tour special. It was a short ditty about Goku's training with Kuririn under Kamesenying. We reviewed this first chapter back on episode 241 of the podcast. At the time, no second chapter was listed for the next issue, despite most of the other series getting a nod. At the very end of March, however, Shueisha announced online that Dragon Ball SD would indeed get another chapter in the next Saikyo Jump, which had been pushed back from April 1st to April 11th due to the earthquake and tsunami, and would again be by Aho Oishi. Now, I know you got a little monster in the background there with you, but if yes. you can uh, take a look at the uh, screenshot they put up to announce this, it's a little chibi Super Saiyan Goku. What does it say in there? Goku to Frieza ga taiketsu suru. 
So Goku and Frieza will be doing battle. Hooray! Orukara, so it'll be in full color as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, the uh, first Dragon Ball SD was in full color as well. So not really a whole lot of information other than, all right, it's going to be Goku and Frieza, and it's going to be in color. So Dragon Ball SD, we're not getting a whole lot of information about, you know, when will it actually come out? I mean, we didn't get information about the second chapter until, like, almost before it came out right real soon so we don't know if it will continue onward and it definitely seems like it's not going to be a continuous story i mean we're jumping from little goku all the way up to the frieza fight so it sounds like oishi is just whatever she feels like doing for a chapter maybe and it could just be sort of little vignettes but that being the case i wish she'd depart a little bit more from the established story because right now it feels from the first chapter anyway it feels a lot like a rehash yeah yeah, I mean, that's what we were talking about back on that podcast episode. It was basically, okay, yep, that was uh, that was their training in kind of a chapter. So I'm hoping if this is the art style that we see here with the chibi, not quite SD, Super Saiyan Goku, if it's going to be SD Goku versus SD Frieza, I mean, that alone might make it a little more interesting than that first chapter. So I, I guess the two of us are hoping for something along those lines. Right. All right, so let me take it over to Dragon Ball Kai. We've got all sorts of international home release delays all sorts of places let's start in your home territory right now julian japan you've got delays up the wazoo the jinzo ningen and cell arc individual dvd volumes seven and eight those were originally due out on april 2nd those got pushed back to may 3rd which happens to be the same day that volumes nine and ten are still due out which means you're getting four dvds on the same day next month wow that's pretty crazy so um branching off of that because it heads toward the end of the series. Volumes 11 and 12 are now due on June 2nd, and 13 and 14 are due on July 2nd. Now, that leaves a previously announced Volume 15, which was just going to contain Episodes 97 and 98. And I guess we should point out there that the um, our two DVDs only have three episodes anyway, so a two-episode disc, maybe it's a little cheap, but yeah. not, not too different from what they've established. Anyway, Episode 98 was not even broadcast, and things were wrapped up pretty nicely in 97 so it does remain to be seen if there will even be a volume 15 of the dvd or if 97 will just get tacked on to volume 14 we don't really know what's going on there and then just tied in with that the jinzo ningen and cell arc blu-ray set number three which has i think like the first half episodes that i just mentioned those individual dvds that's been pushed back from may 3rd to june 3rd uh i guess i'll take you to australia now madman they distribute funimation's release of the dragon ball franchise down there volume four of kai which is episodes 40 through 52 that has been delayed from may 18th to just a vague september timeline here's the quote it's due to a change to planned content for the title within japan which of course the replaced score yeah (laughs) i mean that's basically Basically. got to be it they didn't explicitly state hey we're changing the music but that's really gonna it's gonna be the only thing it can be and then volume five is now due sometime in october and now to just wrap up international kai delays we've already mentioned this but over in north america funimation has announced that part five of kai which would be episodes 53 through 65 that's been delayed to june 7th so julian japan australia north america 
America home releases. I think these are the only places that are getting home releases right now. There's a ton of other dubs, but as far as I know, they're just on TV, like in Latin America and uh, I think Taiwan, some other places. It's all just the Kenji Yamamoto music, right? I mean, what else can this be? Right. Well, there really isn't anything else that I think it could possibly be. All right. Well, in Japan, you have had the earthquake and tsunami, so maybe that's affecting some distribution too. But right. when you take Australia and the U.S. into consideration... That, especially because these are previously released things in Japan, that there would be no reason for them to be delayed in other countries except for the fact that there's this scandal that's gone down with the background music. Fun, fun times. I know in the update that I made on the site, I had a kind of a notation of, all right, what is the most recent episode to get a home release that has the Kenji Yamamoto score? I think it's in the 70s somewhere. So we're going to have these 20 odd episodes that will likely never come out on a home release with the original broadcast score from Fuji TV. And then, of course, we had episodes 96. I think it was just 96 and 97 that in the um, the original Fuji TV broadcast had the Kikuchi replaced score. Crazy, crazy stuff. If you don't know what we're talking about at all, go check out the Kenji Yamamoto retrospective on our website. It's the latest feature. It's in the sidebar. You can't miss it. It will explain everything you need to know. All right, Julian. So away from Japan entirely, just U.S. stuff here. Save you some money. So back in the U.S., Funimation has dropped the price on season two of Dragon Ball, the original TV series. So that follows uh, in the footsteps of an announcement from two months ago of an, a price drop on the first season of the original TV series, down from forty nine ninety eight to thirty four ninety eight. So this series, uh, this second season includes episodes thirty two to sixty one, gets you into the Red Ribbon arc. Now remember, there's five seasons, is what they call it. And we've talked about this a bit before. Dragon Ball is just a weekly series. There is no season breakup to it. It's just a right. random Funimation markings for marketing purposes. Right. We should explain that there are basically two types of series that are broadcast in Japan. There are ongoing series that are, you know, every week, except for holidays and special events and things like that. And then there are planned series, which last a certain number of kur, which is generally 12 or 13 weeks. So planned series are generally one or two kur, but Dragon Ball just goes every week. We don't have any more the 52 episode series or even the 26 episode series. It seems like they'll schedule for 12 or 13. And if it does well enough, they'll announce a second we'll call it a second season later on but man you just don't yes. see those 52 episodes anymore well animation has become a riskier proposition in recent years i think yeah definitely definitely financially all right so let's wrap up the news this really only affects north america but i guess in turn it affects australia and some other places navarre has indeed sold funimation to a private group all right recap time back in may 2010 funimation's parent company navarre announced they were investing Investigating the sale of Funimation, stating they were, here's the quote, concentrating all efforts on our distribution and software publishing businesses where we have significant expertise and considerable systems and physical assets that can be leveraged. Navarre is in the distribution business. Funimation, however, they're in the creation business business. Now, even when you take into consideration things like, well, they're licensing pre-existing shows. When you think about dubbing and getting it on TV, all that kind of stuff, there's still 
content creation. So they don't really line up with one another, although you know it helps to have a distributor as your parent company. So as of November last year, they hadn't found a buyer. There were a couple interested parties, is what they called it, and some even came back with rebids, but Navarre, they hadn't decided on anything. I guess the bids weren't good enough. They expected a decision by the end of the calendar year, but that came and went with nothing. Now, in February, they stated that if nothing was announced by the end of the next quarter, they'd reconsider if they wanted to sell Funimation at all. I mean, Funimation's business has been down over the years, but they're still doing well and they're profitable enough. However, this past week, they finally announced Funimation has been sold. It is a $24 million cash deal. That's pretty interesting. To a private group. Now, the private group includes a one Mr. Gen Fukunaga, who is CEO and co-founder of Funimation. He's one of the minor stakeholders in this new group of investors that have collectively purchased Funimation. Now, here's a little side note. I always love to dig into the SEC filings and pull out little bits of info here and there. And it was noted when this went up for sale. I mean, I'm breaking it down in layman terms. Basically, if Fukunaga did not get in the way of selling the company, he'd get $250,000. Well, he got that. So he basically got a quarter <laughs> of a million dollars to sell the company to himself. I love it. Very, very good deal. So that probably helped in purchasing the company. So now it's been announced Funimation is being sold. Navarre is actually going to stay on board and act as the distributor to the company. And I say, well, duh, it's what they do. They've got such a great relationship already, and they're all already integrated with each other to do this. So that makes total sense. So big question for North American fans. How does this affect Dragon Ball? Likely not at all. I mean, Funimation's recently re-upped their license for another five years. We're pretty sure that's through 2015. So they'll be here for at least that much longer. I can't imagine that in the long run, this is going to affect much. I mean, the company is back in the hands of people who at least partially genuinely care about its future. I mean, Fukunaga is CEO of Funimation. He cares where this company is going and that it continues to stay profitable. So I expect things are going to continue basically as is, right? Well, I suppose. I mean, there may be some modifications to what their logo. Right, right. Get rid of the uh, Navarre company and the logo. But other than the change of ownership, I don't really anticipate there to be any noticeable changes from the point of view of the end consumer. No, no. And uh, I'd have to dig back into it, but I saw that ANN updated that some billionaire is part of this deal too. So they've got some good backing. I think Funimation is going to be okay. Uh, I don't anticipate any massive layoffs again, anything like that. I, I think they're going to be good. Dragon Ball is going to be good. We've got our Dragon Boxes coming. They've got to deal with whatever the hell's going on with Kai, but I think Dragon Ball is pretty safe for a while. So that is the news from the last two weeks. Right now, we're going to cut over to myself and our buddy Jake Herms. We're going to talk about Toriyama's intended endings to the series from the Cell Arc and the Boo Arc. Joining me for part two of the topic that was technically just one episode ago, but I think it's about two weeks ago in terms of real life recording time, Mr. Jake Herms from Constantai. Welcome back. Greetings, all. I love this topic so so much. And it sounds like everyone else is really, really digging it too. But here's the killer. You guys launched the section on the website, so they may have already read this stuff now. No one reads anything. It's the internet age. If it's not on Twitter, no one knows what's going on. Ah, fair, 
Fair point. So you and I, we're going to pick up where we left off last time. We're talking about Toriyama's intended endings to the series. And uh, it's kind of, I don't know, a misleading title because basically all we're doing is debunking what people think are his or were his intended endings. Yeah, we kind of used up all the legitimate endings last episode. Right, right. We're going to cover, God, it, it seems like it would be so much of the series, the Cell arc and the Boo arc. But as I'm scrolling through the outline, it's it's not as much as what we talked about in Frieza, Frieza alone last time on the show. Yeah, it is the last third of the series going by the manga. Right. There is a, a good amount of material here. So for those who haven't uh, checked out the first part that we did last time on the show, we're basically breaking down what a lot of the fan rumors and wild speculation has been over the years about, oh, I heard from a friend of a friend and I read this interview that Toriyama said, I'm going to end the series at X. Insert plot point, insert story point here. And a lot of those just aren't true. And we have the verifiable evidence to show why that is not true. And then there's a little bit here and there. Maybe he did say he wanted to end the series somewhere along the way. And we have some quotes and some interviews, a lot of stuff to pull out. So we're really just going to jump in and pick up where we left off. We finished last time with the end of the Frieza arc, which was really the biggest part of this conversation. But as we head toward the actual end of the series, it gets very interesting in other ways. So we'll, we'll pick up here with the Cell arc. What's interesting about the Cell arc is that the first part of what we're going to talk about is less about how the series was going to end or potentially end. And, and more about how it evolved due to editorial input. Exactly. You hear people say sometimes that Toriyama was originally going to have Androids 19 and 20 be the main villains for the entire Android arc. And then his editor didn't like him, them, and so he brought out 17 and 18, but then the, his editor didn't like them either, and so finally he brought out Cell. And the thing about this is that it's actually completely true, as opposed to most of what we went over in the last episode. Right, right. It's the total opposite. That's so funny. So Toria, our source source for this is um, Shenlong Times number two, which has a roundtable interview between Toriyama and the three editors that he had over the course of the series. And before moving on, I should explain about the editors a bit more. You see fans say a lot, they, they refer to Toriyama's editors as kind of a unified group. And it's always plural. Yeah, yeah, it's always plural. Like, uh, oh, his editors didn't, his editors forced him to do this or that. But the thing is, he had three different editors over the course of the series, but at any given point, he only had one. And so the first one was Kazuhiko Torishima, who was his editor during all of Dr. Slump, and then from the start of Dragon Ball up until the end of the 23rd Tenka Ichibudokai. And then the second one was Yu Kondo. He took over at the Saiyan arc, so started the Z portion of the series. And he was editor until... Strangely enough, until when Perfect Cell first appeared. So he didn't even wait for the story arc to wrap up. And then the final one was Huyuto Takeda, who uh, he started as editor, you know, when uh, Perfect Cell appeared. And then he served as editor until the end of Dragon Ball. And he's also been Toriyama's editor for all of his uh, post-Dragon Ball works. Oh, that's pretty interesting. So he's been there for Sandland and Kashika and Nekomajin. Yeah, all that stuff. Gotcha. And so uh, Torishima, should be noted, has be gone on to become a quite an important person in his own right. After he uh, stopped being Toriyama's editor, he 
went on and became head editor of V-Jump in 1993, and then uh, in 1996, shortly after Dragon Ball ended, he became editor-in-chief of Weekly Jump, and then in 2001, he became head editor of Weekly Jump, Monthly Jump, and V-Jump, all three of them. Oh, jeez. And, yeah. And then in 2004, he joined the Shueisha Board of Directors. Wow, is it, he really is one of the head honchos then, and not just now, but leading up over the course of so many years. Yeah, and... We've talked about this on the podcast before, but his three editors were said to be the inspiration for some of the main villains in Dragon right, Ball. Right, right. Torishima, Torishima was supposed to be the basis for Piccolo Daimao, and uh, Kondo was supposed to be the basis for Frieza, and Takeda was supposed to be the basis for Fat Boo, specifically. One of the comments that Toriyama made in his um, jump individual jump comic, for every individual issue of Jump that had a Dragon Ball chapter, Toriyama made a little comment. And so for one of them, them. He talks about meeting uh, Takeda for the first time, and he notes how fat he was. <laughs> of course, Toriyama is going to make a comment about that. So people, must, like we said, people sometimes think that he Toriyama had these three guys as his editor all at the same time. And there's a couple of reasons for this. First off is that there's not that much information on them out there, so people just naturally don't. No, they just think, right. they hear he had three editors, so they assume they were all there at the same time. And then another thing is sometimes sometimes there's these bad translations that have to do with it. Like Viz will sometimes translate things he says as referring to his editors in the plural, which comes about because in Japanese, there's no true plural form. So a lot of times it's ambiguous if one or multiple people or things are being indicated. And then another time, sometimes it's them being a little strange, like in his uh, Toriyama's farewell message at the very end of the manga, he in Japanese he says he had to talk to um Konkeisha, like those involved or those who would be affected to get to allow him to end the manga. And this translated that as my editors. Oh, and, wow. I mean, first off, obviously, like I said, he wouldn't have had multiple editors. And also, while Toriyama's editor would surely have been one of the people involved that Toriyama talked about, there would probably be other people, too. Right, right. So, like, maybe people at uh, Toei or other people at Shueisha. Yeah, I mean, Dragon Ball ending would affect probably hundreds of jobs. So he's definitely going to talk to a couple people about that. And then, also, I hate to... I feel like I'm always... <laughs> I know. Now ragging on Greg here. Yeah, I'm not trying to be mean, but his site was responsible for some rumors that just uh, some misinformation that won't go away. And he had translated the Shenlong Times in second, the Shenlong Times number two interview that we're talking about, and he had it so that the editors were talking as if they had worked at the, with each other at the same time. But you know, at the time, his Japanese wasn't very good. But he's been living in Japan years and years now. Knows a lot more about this stuff than I do. <laughs> right. And all his One Piece stuff is great. So yeah, and. And he just recently, with the One Piece podcast, they got together and raised, was it $30,000 for Japan? I think it was ultimately 33 It was well over thirty. so yeah. yeah so He's made up for it. He's a good guy. He is. All right, so let's pull it back. We're talking about um, 19 and 20 being introduced and 17 and 18, and then ultimately Cell and Transformations. So let's start with those first couple, 19 and 20. So, like I said, the Shenlong Times interview, it's Toriyama just chilling with his all his editors that he had, and he mentions that one point that when uh, 19 and 20 debuted in the story, Torishima called them up and said, like, oh, I was waiting f for the enemy, and they 
show up and they're just this fat guy in an old geezer. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's very un-Japanese. It's uh, very explicit in its description there. Well, you can be explicit if you're uh, if you're on the top of the totem pole. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. Talking down there. It's worth pointing out that Toriyama was not at this point Toriyama's editor. He was the editor of Vija. Right. And right. So, but Toriyama says that you know, there was no helping it. And so I, I introduced 17 and 18. But then Toriyama called again and said, well, this time it's just a couple of brats. <laughs> and so he went and he introduced Cell. But now Kondo, his actual editor at the time, said that he didn't like Cell's, the design for Cell's first form. And so Toriyama came up with the second form design. But then Kondo said that that just looked really stupid. And so finally, he came up with Perfect Cell and Kondo liked that and everyone was happy. Now, you say here that originally Toriyama was going to do more with the second form. Was that just, that's what he had planned? That's what it was going to be? Well, it's ambiguous. He okay. says in Shenlong Times number two, and also in Daizen Shu number four, where he's talking about his favorite android character designs, he lists second form Cell as his favorite overall. Oh, that's so interesting, because personally anyway, he, he does look pretty stupid in his second form, at least you know, I think, and I see a little lot of feelings out there that align with that yeah he it's interesting uh second form cell is number one and second is number 18 huh. so you can int interesting priorities there <laughs> he likes the dumb looking faces and the pretty girls so you can never predict Tori what toriyama is gonna like i know I, I suppose that kind of explains everything we're talking about just those those two rankings right there but this is interesting so now we have this perfect the if you will konzentai version of cell and this is when he gets his third editor. Yeah, I, there's nothing that's ever been said about why that, that timing happened the way it was, but it seems very strange to me that they would replace the editor mid-story arc like that. And I have to wonder if maybe it had something to do with Kondo complaining all the time about these different forms or something. I don't know. Right. Well, to be fair, to be fair, he does have a prior editor complaining about stuff as well as his current one. And it sounds like you've outlined all these things. It was more the prior editor that had done the most complaints. Yeah, but you couldn't really get rid of his former yeah, editor. Anyway. I suppose you can't fire someone who's not with you anymore. All right, so we've we've cleared up what the editorial input was to get us to Perfect Cell. Now we're going to move on to any evidence for or against a plan by Toriyama to actually end the series with the Cell arc now that we've played some of these villain designs and I guess their motivations and, I don't know, historical context. I suppose. The meta story, I guess you could say. That's right. So I guess the, the big, it's not a question, it's more of a hypothetical statement. Toriyama planned on ending the series at the Cell arc. Confirm or deny? Deny, I All guess. All right. What is the evidence to the contrary, then? It's kind of the same as with Frieza. A lot of the same things apply. Fans will say the tale, as usually told, I guess you could say, uh -huh. is that when fans bring up the uh, planned endings, they typically say he was going to end it at Frieza. That didn't work out. So he, uh, you know, he came up with the cell arc and he wanted that to be the end, but that didn't work out. So finally he ended it with Boo. So going by this, they make it sound like uh, the cell arc would have been his plan B. Mm -hmm. But as we went over in the previous episode, he had a lot of other uh, plans in mind that fans don't typically either know about or really take into consideration. Like it was originally it was going to end after one year, then volume 10, right. 13, etc. And so really, even if this were true, it would really be his plan E, give or take. Gotcha. And so as far as I know, as I have to kind of point out, as far as I know, there's never been any, Toriyama's never mentioned in any interview that he was planning at the time on ending the series with 
sell. And as I like to say, that doesn't prove that this wasn't the case, but if you're going to say that was the case, you need some evidence. Right. The burden of proof is on people to say, oh, it was totally going to end it there. Absolutely. So there's no evidence in interviews or anything that I'm aware of, and I be open to being proven wrong if anyone has an in, an interview that I'm not aware of, but I've been in the fandom for years and years, and I've never seen anyone be able to dig one up. And furthermore, a properly translated interview. And, you know, we can always dig back to the actual original Japanese text, so don't even bother translating. Just give us the page. We'll take care of it. So the closest thing to evidence that people bring up to support this point is, again, like with Frieza, the Frieza arc, just saying, oh, it just feels like the end. It's right. all so climactic. Yep. Gohan, he's taking the tour Goku's going off to be dead forever, whatever, all that stuff. But you have to realize that Toriyama, if that were his plan, even at the beginning, he would have known long before getting to the end of the Cell arc that the series was going to still be continuing. Right. There's this a lot of assumption in this rumors that he would have just been called at the last minute. Right. And we talked about that, about how many chapters he had planned ahead and having meetings with his editor and occasionally even with some jump staff. So if he was going to end it, people would know, he would know, there would be something we could point to so yeah you can't point to that stuff and say oh that's evidence because it's just too imp it doesn't make any sense that he wouldn't have known while at that portion in the series that it wouldn't be continuing and it makes more sense in my view at least to say that this the end of the cell arc feels climactic because it's you know the end of the cell arc right. it is it is an end not necessarily supposed to be the end of everything right and then we have to bring up peep with kai now i know this is something that were it not the time frame that it is right now it might not even be a discussion point at all but it ends up being one because Kai is over, quote-unquote, early with the Cell arc. Yeah, and I don't uh, participate too much in Kai-related discussions, but I have to imagine that someone somewhere has tried <laughs> right. to argue at this point that the fact that Kai ends at the Cell arc is evidence that Toriyama was going to end the manga at the Cell arc. Because Kai, when it started, it was billed as a, uh, quote-unquote, Toriyama cut of the anime. But as far as we know, there's Toriyama hasn't really had any direct involvement with it. Right. He hasn't been like saying, oh, uh, cut this out, keep that in, have this be X number episodes long. There's just no evidence that that's occurred. And it'd be kind of weird... It wouldn't make any sense. Toriyama, he's a manga artist. He doesn't know anything about editing uh, episodes or anything like that. It's just not his area of specialty expertise. Right. And so, the as far as we know, the only real involvement Toriyama has had in Kai is, um, according to Japanese Wikipedia, don't know how accurate this is, but it says that he came up with the name Kai just like he did with the name DBGT and Z. Right, okay. And so when the they bill Kai as a Toriyama cut, it seems that really what they mean is that it's just closer to the manga, and that's it. They're just going off of that to decide what to do or not. Right, and we had this big conversation a couple episodes ago, and you guys have launched the feature over on Constantai. We were saying, what the hell just happened to Kai? There's so much more to go into that has absolutely nothing to do with the artistic vision of the series and how it was going to proceed and how it would end. So it's just a completely separate conversation. Yeah, it just makes more s It's just very unrealistic to say that they would have ended the se series there because of Toriyama's original vision as opposed to just the fact that it hasn't been selling very well. It's like, which of these two is more likely? It just seems like a fundamental misunderstanding of how the industry works. And with Kai, it starts uh, at the Cyan arc, right? And obviously that's not where the manga starts. And in Japan, 
Kai, it's just Kai. There's no Z. So there's no reason for them not to have adapted the manga right from the beginning, but they skip straight to the Saiyan arc, and I would assume that that is because the Saiyan arc, as we also discussed in the last episode, has always been what, one of the more popular points of the series. Well, in addition to that, it was also the anniversary of the DBZ TV series, conveniently, so that's where they started. But I would think that if the first, you know, if Dragon Ball had been more popular than the Z portion, that they would have chosen to start with that, regardless of the date. It's just how it works. And it seems notable that uh, Kai has covered the Saiyan Frieza and Cell arcs, which, as we've gone over also in the previous episode, those are the most popular, traditionally the most popular parts of the series. And I have to imagine that one of the reasons they decided not to do the Buu arc is because the Buu arc hasn't generally been as popular among fans as the previous story arcs. So there wasn't as much prospect of profit. Right. If, if they weren't making a profit on the more most popular parts of the series, then doing the one of the lesser, <laughs> less popular parts probably wouldn't have turned things around for them. You're making it too logical here, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't we talk about that Boo arc? Uh, before we break down some of these really nuanced rumors, you've got some uh, just, I don't know, kind of a general comment from Toriyama to set the stage here. Yes. So I always love it when we have Tori actual word from Toriyama. So the t uh, title page for chapter 421, the first uh, part of the Buark, first chapter, has Kame Senen again serving as Toriyama's uh, kind of fourth wall-breaking stand-in, right. as we've seen a few times, uh, like at the end of the 23rd Tenkaichi Budokai when he popped in to say, oh, it'll continue for a little bit. And so very similar to that, here again, he pops in and says that Dragon Ball will continue for just a tad longer. At least he was finally right. <laughs> right. have to hand it to him. Definitely. <laughs> Took him a while. But then it's interesting to note that the Buu arc is, in fact, very long. It's actually, depending on how you break things up, it's the longest story arc at 99 chapters. But some of the chapters have reduced number of pages. So I worked out the math once, and I think it does ultimately come to be the longest. But it's it doesn't beat out the Freeze arc by that much. And so it's 99 chapters over two years. And as we kind of said before with the science stuff, would he have said it would continue for a tad longer if he was planning on continuing it two years? But... I think it is all maybe relative, because at that point, he had been doing the series eight and a half years, and so maybe another two years <laughs> right. wouldn't have seen too long. <laughs> In comparison, that is not all that much longer, but seems like a long time. All right, so let's get into some of the rumor stuff. And again, it's not even necessarily about the ending of the series, but like before, what the plan supposedly was. Yeah, it's uh, the proposed uh, plot of the final story arc, I guess you could say. I'm kind of grouping some stuff together just just because even if it doesn't quite fit in with the topic, it's rumors that I think should be addressed. And I think this would be the best place to discuss them as opposed to, I don't think they would stand up to their own topic. Gotcha. I, I, I can see you've got like character popularity polls and some other stuff in here. So it, it's kind of relevant. Okay. So the first one here is Toriyama intended Gohan to be the hero of the Boo arc. And so, yeah, getting back to the title page for chapter 421, Kami Senen says, you know, Dragon Ball will continue for just a little longer, and from now on, taking the place of the late Goku as the main character will be his serious-minded son, Son Gohan. And this is how this uh, story arc starts, but then by the end of it, Gohan has just been beat up and absorbed by Boo, and Goku comes in and is the one to save the day. So it doesn't seem like his original plan really went... Uh, didn't seem like that panned out. Right, but at least we have something that kind of 
at least, I don't know, it's more than heavily hints. Yeah, Gohan probably was intended to be the hero. And then the next question is, why, if he was intended to be the hero, but it didn't work out, then what happened right. to change Toriyama's mind? And so the most popular explanation, as is usual, is fan outcry and or editorial interference. And again, there's no evidence, but here is the only, the only thing Toriyama has ever said on the subject that I know of is in his Daisenshu 2 interview, where the interviewer asked, um, as the Cell arc ended, uh, did you think that everyone felt you would put Gohan into the leading role? And he says, yeah, I intended to put Gohan into the reading, leading role, but it didn't work out. I felt that compared to Goku, he was ultimately not suited for the part. Oh, that's interesting. So he planned it at the beginning and then well, in the beginning of the Boo arc. But then as he was writing it, which is something we've seen quite a bit from Toriyama, he changes his mind. And that's, the, that's the official word. That's all he's ever said. But he doesn't elaborate on that too much. He doesn't say why he felt he wasn't suited or anything like that. But the fans have said that, I should say, okay, current fans have said that the fans <laughs> at the time, right, right. I have to break this up a little, uh, just wouldn't accept Gohan as the main character. And so there's a you know fan revolt. And this was what uh, they say forced Toriyama to bring Goku back as the hero. And so there's no evidence for this again, but we can kind of, like I said um, before, we have some mentions throughout the guidebooks and uh, whatnot of things that did actually generate fan outcry, like Goku growing up or getting married, but no word on something like this. Right. So the question is, was Gohan actually unpopular with fans at the time? And so uh, what better way to uh, delve into that question than popularity polls? Hooray! You've got a couple here? Yeah. These are always a staple of Jump, you see, in all the Jump series, that they just have these periodically and then they just post the results. And so Daisenshu 1 has, gives the results for two popularity polls that were conducted towards the end of the series. There, these, there might have been more, but these are the only ones we know about. And so the first one was from Weekly Jump number 12, uh, 1993. And this was the issue that contained chapter 411, which is when Cell self-destructs. And so Gohan was in the first place, then Goku, Trunks, Vegeta, and Piccolo. And then the second one comes from Weekly Shonen Jump number 5, slash six. It's a double issue for 1995. And this has chapter 501, which is when Goku comes and uh, kind of comes and saves Gohan as he's fighting Gotenks absorbed Boo. And in this one, Goku is in first place, then Vegeta, then Trunks, then Gotenks, finally Piccolo, and Gohan isn't in the top five at all. Ah, very interesting. So from some at some point between the end of the Cell games and uh, this point in the series, Gohan had just really plummeted in popularity from top place to not even the top five. Well, let me interject here because wasn't the great Saiyaman stuff, uh, at least the TV version, some of the highest rated episodes? Let's see. Well, he, uh, Hujio would be more uh, knowledgeable on that than me, but I think that is true. But I also, I'm not an expert on how TV ratings work, but I think that might be because it's just hold, a holdover from the Cell games. True. Yeah, people still watching from before. So. And then they gradually taper off. Yeah, but yeah. Of course, that all, even, I mean, the Cell, the great Saiyaman stuff, that doesn't last long. So, no, no. So even even if that was the most popular just on their own merits, then by the time uh, Gohan is fighting Boo again, then that would probably, whatever popularity was from that would have tapered off. That's interesting. So they would like serious Gohan while he's fighting Cell. They would like fun Gohan as he's in high school. But then when he gets serious again, they don't care anymore. Yeah. It's hard to read popularity polls. They yeah. don't ask for reasons why they're your favorite. But I mean, during the Cell games, obviously, Gohan is the most powerful and in Jump, that 
that would be an obvious reason why right. he'd be popular. Yep. And then in the Boo arc, he's it's established he hasn't trained. He's gotten a lot weaker. He just he gets his energy stolen. He can't really beat Dabra. He gets beat up by Boo. He doesn't really do much. So the question is, was did he lose popularity because he wasn't doing anything cool in the storyline anymore? Or did Toriyama not put him in the center in the limelight anymore because he had already lost popularity wow it's like a deep. chicken and egg thing <laughs> all right let's move on then from the popularity polls so these polls they don't really contradict the notion that gohan was replaced by goku due, due to him being unpopular but it doesn't really exactly support it he was more popular at one point so that shows that the fans weren't inherently fond of goku over gohan but he was unpopular at exactly the point when he was swapped out for Goku. And these uh, polls, I don't know exactly what the time frame is for where the results are conducted, but the results for the second one, like I said, it was 501, and that's uh, five weeks after Gohan had just overwhelmed Boo, after getting uh, the Kaioshin's power up. Mm. That's an entire month. But apparently, that didn't help raise him up into the top five. He was already too far gone at that point, I guess. Apparently. And then it's notable that Goku is already in number one and Vegeta number two, even though at this point, they hadn't stepped in to be the main characters again. This was the poll. The results were printed at the very chat, the very moment when Goku finally returns to being the main character. So it does support the idea that, that the later events of the Boo arc were just... Uh, based on the results of popularity polls, but it's not a bulletproof case, I should say. Gotcha. But the thing is, even if uh, it were the case that, you know, Toriyama, when he says, oh, I didn't think Gohan was suited for the role, he doesn't elaborate on what he said, on what he means by this. Right. It could mean that he just meant he wasn't suited because he wasn't very popular. You know, with a main character, you want him to be popular. So he could mean that, but even if that were the case then it wouldn't really be an example of Toriyama being forced as fans like to portray it. It's more like him just looking at how things are and just making the necessary adjustments to the story. He's very unemotional whenever he talks about the story generally. Yeah, yeah, I've he's not that. like He's not like other uh, authors like maybe Oda or Kishimoto maybe who seem to have a lot invested in their stories, in their characters. He just sees it as pieces to be moved around i guess you could say (laughs) it's true it's very true yeah he does seem very distant from his artistic creations he's very upfront about having only gotten into the business because he wanted money and so (laughs) money and chicks right yeah (laughs) it worked out for at least one of those (laughs) right right well you know he ended up getting married he's got a few kids so it worked out for him so he could mean that he was unpopular but he doesn't have to he could mean a lot of things he could just mean like oh he he's harder to draw or i didn't think he was as good enough character or any number of things so i think most of the reason behind why people are always so quick to blame the fans at the time is just that it's a convenient scapegoat yeah yeah you're never gonna meet these people (laughs) it's easy to blame japanese fans from what like 93 94 yeah i mean there's k17 he's on our for your forums and so there's that guy, but on the whole, you're not going <laughs> to run into many Japanese... I don't even know if he was a fan at the time. No, I'm pretty sure he was. He's got all his tapes. It's easy to blame people you're never going to encounter, so as right. opposed to the author you're kind of invested in liking. Definitely. All right, so with Gohan broken down here, the next plan has to do with Goku, and your first point here is, well, Toriyama intended Goku to stay dead permanently. This goes generally hand-in-hand with all the talk about Gohan supposed to have 
been the main character throughout the whole Boo arc. Right. He would have been the hero, Goku would have just been dead, and this does seem, again, kind of plausible, because in uh, Tonkobon 35, the intro, Toriyama says, In this volume of the comic, Son Goku died. I think it's best not to get too attached to the characters that it draw, but even I think it's kind of sad to see the death of a protagonist who I've continued to draw for almost 10 years. I thought of other ways, too, but ultimately thought that having him die was best after all. For the time being, I've taken care not to get too dark, but still, I'm sorry, Son Goku. Please forgive me. <laughs> That's so funny. It, it backs up that whole emotional distance from his characters. And based on this, he's apologizing to Goku. It doesn't seem like he has any plans of bringing him back at any point. Right. And then for, once again, the chapter, t- the title page for chapter 421, Kame Seven says that Gohan will take over as main character for the late Goku. So again, doesn't seem like there's any plans to bring him back, no hints at all. But once again, it's more likely to say that the reason he came back was just due to Toriyama changing his mind, if not entirely on his own, then not re- it doesn't make sense to say he was forced, because the only evidence we have is that fans wrote in, you know, they responded to fan to popularity polls. There's nothing about a rabid fan outcry. It seems like if he changed his plans based on the fans, then at best it was just him saying, well, okay, whatever, not too attached. Should have mentioned this earlier, but another thing, in addition to the fan outcry, uh, people say that it was editorial interference that caused him to make these changes. And it should be noted that Toriyama has said in the rem- jump remix versions of the Toriyama Blank Theater, the collections of all his one-shots, he made a note that said he said that Takeda was actually pretty lenient compared to his previous editors and basically let him do what he wanted to do. <laughs> all right, so his editor at the time likely was not forcing him to do anything here. Fans tend to assume that the editor for the book was very strict, and that's why the story kind of juts around all over the place, it seems. <laughs> but that's but, just Toriyama. Yeah, it's, the evidence shows that that's just what happens when he's doing what he wants to do, which is just right off the seat of his pants. All right. All right, we got a couple more instances of what the supposed plan was, and this one is more in the vein of just fan speculation, so this is a pretty good one. Toriyama intended Piccolo to fall under Babidi's spell rather than Vegeta. Yeah, this shouldn't take too long. There's, this has even less evidence than probably anything else we've gone over, in this episode at least. Just nothing. Never said anywhere. The only source that I've seen is the DB Wikia, which I don't think we need to get into that whole thing, but it's not a on the whole, not a very reliable source of information. And so the only, the closest thing I can think of to a possible origin for this rumor is in a Buku Resen, Supersonic Warriors, Warriors 2. There's a lot of what-if stories and branching paths, and one of those for, I think it's Gohan, for his story mode. It has Piccolo actually being taken over instead of Vegeta. And so maybe people saw that and somehow it got transmuted into rumor about what Toriyama was actually going to do for the series. Well, at that point, you might as well bring in Dragon Ball Z 2, Budokai 2, when we've got Majin Frieza and Majin Cell. So, again, it's just random one-off things in a video game. Maybe that contributed. I, I don't know what it would have been about Buku Resen, maybe because it's more recent that it contributed yeah, to our rumor. I have our, no idea. All right, so we've got one last short bit about what a plan may have been. This one is that Toriyama intended my boy Vegito never to defuse. So, once again, no, Toriyama's never said anything about this in interviews, and the only evidence that I've seen used to support this 
is the unbelievably random way in which he does defuse. All right, now come on, Jake. It's, what? Well, it's magic. Guess we're yeah. unfused. It is pretty flimsy. Yeah, but as we've said a lot again and again, it this is how Toriyama writes. Just seat of his pants, making stuff up at random. You're going to get stuff like this every now and then. I do personally find it hard to believe that Toriyama would have ever actually had Vegito be around permanently. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I can't, can't come up with an argument for that. It just seems weird. Well, sure you can. You bring it back to his comments about, oh, isn't it weird that I'm killing off my protagonist? It would be even weirder that he smushes two together and, hey, it's my new protagonist. Yeah, what will their wives do, I wonder? <laughs> That's been another big question in other circles of fandom. All right, so we haven't really talked a lot about where Toriyama may have wanted to end the series, just about what the plan may have been with some characters. Is there really nothing to suggest that at any point during the entire arc he planned to end it other than just the end like we have all these different fights all these different points when boo could have been defeated because we're basically just jumping to the end of the series here with your notes yeah there's really nothing solid that i've ever seen i just toriyama hasn't really said anything other than that like we saw at the beginning he said it's going to continue for a tad longer and then when it did end he said he had uh, decided to end it a long time ago let's jump ahead to the final chapter you've got a date here june 5th 1995 we've got a farewell from toriyama yeah and the uh, uh farewell itself is dated may for whatever reason. oh okay i guess just well he did it the previous week so that makes sense. gotcha yeah yeah anyway so okay i truly thank you for faithfully reading dragon ball for so terribly long i'm very grateful for how you've all supported me up until the very end the truth is that i decided on this a long time ago but a lot happened, so please forgive me for announcing this so suddenly. For this new step in my life, I've asked a big favor of everyone concerned, and I'm ending this manga. Of course, I humbly apologize to all you fans, too. I'm very sorry. From now on, I think I'll take a little break, and then leisurely draw some one-shot works. You'll definitely see me again. I think it should probably be interesting, so look forward to it. Well, until that day, this is goodbye. Let's meet again. Kira Toriyama. Uh-huh. And with that, the series ended. So it's the last chapter he gives his, uh, well... Because it's over. Yep. So a lot of notable things to uh, point out in that. And first off, like we went over before, uh, to end the manga, Toriyama says that he had to ask a big favor of everyone concerned. And so this supports the idea that he was pressured to continue the series Or at the very least, that he wasn't really free to just end it wherever he wanted to. Or uh, even less than that, just expected to continue the series. Because a lot of people's livelihoods at this point depended on it going on. So it's not something he can just do at a whim. He has to at least give uh, uh, 12 months notice or something. Right. He's not just some indie artist putting something out. I mean, this is serialized and jump and got the TV adaptation. There's movies going on, voice actors and actresses and music being composed. It affects a lot of people. And then the other thing is that he didn't. it wasn't known in advance that the series was going to end. He points out that, I'm sorry for announcing this so suddenly. So in the second to last chapter, there's this note from Toriyama where he says that something will happen next time. And you should look forward to it but without expecting all that much. So that's interesting. He sets up in the second to last chapter, hey, something's going to happen. Uh, don't really expect much. And then it turns out that something is, uh, we're done. Yeah. And he had said when the Boo arc started, it was going to continue for just a tad longer. But the last time he said that, that was when Z started. So who knows how seriously people <laughs> took that. Right, right. And this is something we talked about before. It's that when it feels like it's about to end, that means that 
he's got a lot planned. Well, and vice versa, I guess. Yeah, he notes in the intro, his intro to the 42nd volume, that he purposely made the ending seem like the series could still continue. Right, right, with the uh, 28th Tenkaichi Budokai. Getting on back to fans didn't know it was going to end, in uh, Shenlong Times number 4, it has an interview with three uh, major, well, uh, I don't know how you explain it. Uh, these were three fans, it was supposed to be three fans who had won this trivia contest that Shueisha held, and two, they got the second and third place winners to show up to be interviewed, but for whatever reason, the first place winner couldn't make it. So they got uh, Toshihiro Suzuki, the guy who developed the uh, Super Butoden game oh, to, come, okay. to be the third guy. Nice. And so the, fan, the two fans Fans, or one of the fans, he notes that when they were when Goku's forming the last Genki Dama to defeat Boo, and then uh, Upa and Bora show up. They're they're two of the people who contribute their Genki, and he says, "When I saw that, I figured, well, it's probably going to be ending soon." Mm. Which he, he can only speculate. He doesn't. There's no people just didn't know. But then the general people, they didn't know it was going to end. They could only guess. But then Suzuki says that because of my job, I found out a little early that it was ending. So people who were connected to the series in an official capacity, they got a little forewarning what was going to happen. And this is interesting because we're right on the cusp of the web becoming a really big thing. So you know, just a couple of years later. This certainly would have leaked and become, I don't want to say a scandal, but it, it would have become a big deal. But because we're still, you know, mid-early 1995 here, and it's Japanese folk being tight-lipped, it didn't get out there. Apparently not. And this is, again, one of the many things that the fake Super Otaku magazine interview <laughs> gets wrong. You know, I, I feel like it's terrible that we even give it any mention whatsoever, but we kind of have to. It, yeah, it's pr a lot of people believe it. Ugh. I don't know why. Well, so bad. But anyway, people believe it. And so I guess it is up to us to point out the blatantly right. fake things about it. Because, you know, not everyone knows this kind of stuff that, oh, it wasn't common knowledge the series was going to end. Right. And so like, in, so in the interview, Tor fake Toriyama, he says, uh, the <laughs> interview saying, well, the Boo arc's starting now. Uh, this is... I can't remember exactly what it says. It's, I'm going to end it. He mentions that it's going to be ending with the Boo arc and that the Boo arc is just starting. That's not how it was. And then later on, he even mentions Gotenks, which is, again, equally absurd because he wouldn't have known from the start about Gotenks that right. Gotenks hadn't planned. Well, probably hadn't planned on that from what we've seen, how he writes. Okay, so I guess ultimately we should just wrap up that Troyama says in his uh, farewell speech kind of thing, says that he had planned on ending the series. He had he had made this decision to end the series here a long time ago, but then stuff happened, so he wasn't announcing it until this point. But it was something he had in mind for quite some time now. And then, like we said, the uh, chapter 421, the start of the book, he said it would continue for a tad longer. So we do have, finally, confirmation that he wrote a story arc in knowing that it would be the end. Sort of, kind of. Kind of. It's the closest we have. Yeah. I don't know if he really planned any of the details of the book out in advance, or if he just knew it would be ending, but just said, uh, didn't really think of how in particular that it would end. Right. Did, did he first think about ending it with the death of Boo, and then he's, I'm going to pull a fast one on the fans, and I'm going to skip ahead a few years and make it seem like it's going to keep going? Like, how much of that did he have in mind? You know, writing great Siaman. We don't know. Probably not much. We just, no. Probably not. Just based on everything he's ever said about how he writes, just, I don't... 
as we've seen, he just says, oh, I don't even think, I only think about what's going to happen next week. And then everything <laughs> right. after that is up in the air. <laughs> I can see him getting up to the 28th Tenkei Budoka and being like, well, do I write another chapter or do I just end it here? Heads or tails? <laughs> well, Jake, we've gone from the very, very beginning of the series to the very, very end of the manga. We've dissected plot points that may or may not have ever existed in someone's mind and what someone did say about maybe ending the series and then the editors came in and all hell broke loose and then they got complacent and he just ended it yep what a run makes me want to drink for some reason yeah i just finished mine <laughs> i think i'm ready for another round jake you and heath your buddy hugio over on constantai all of this information if people want to read the exact quotes again place it in context even further and link to it on all the random message board battles that I'm sure they have been having for many, many years. It's all over at Constantine. Exactly. Oh, and you can proofread it too. Help us spot uh, typos. I know what that's like when you're running a fan site, you don't have a full-time uh, proofreading staff. No. I hate it when I go back to reviews that have been up for a couple of years and in the very first sentence there's a typo that I never noticed. <laughs> Isn't that just a bish? It goes against everything yeah. I've ever said to anyone ever. Sometimes I... Yeah, I know. I'm guilty. Bitter irony. I know. I know. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful journey through the series with Toriyama, even if he's not here with us. He's here in spirit. He sure is. I'm sure he's having a drink alongside with us, shaking his head in shame along the way. Whenever some guys are just making stuff up as they go along, here be there. That's right. That's right. Now, you guys have been doing a lot of other Toriyama-related content. You just put up uh, Toriyama kind of... I don't know, in almost direct contrast to this, Toriyama's contributions to the anime. Yeah, so instead of things he didn't ever think of doing, here are things we know he actually did. <laughs> it's great. There's, especially in recent years when we've gotten pictures of memos, and I know there's one memo in particular that we now have two versions of, so we can kind of speculate further on that, but uh, screenshots and a little more interview tidbits, it's great material that is out there, and it's uh, wonderful that it's, you know, collecting it all together in a place that we can point to and we stole a lot of scans and stuff from you too i know it's good because you had you julian and you did the movie character designs years ago and so we figured why don't we just steal it instead of doing it ourselves That's right we laid the groundwork and we let everyone else do all the dirty work and, and then we bring you on we talk about it and pretend that it was our idea in the first place but we did a lot of stuff on our own i should say yes you absolutely did Lots of hard work. All right. So um, I don't know. I think we've plugged Konzentai well enough, but I'll, I'll give you one last chance to toss it out there. Okay. That's uh, Konzentai. K-A-N-Z-E-N-T-A-I dot com. That's Konzentai for all your Dragon Ball needs. <laughs> You've got that down pat. I love it. Not cause tie. <laughs> I know. I'm considering word filtering it, but it's so funny. Oh, well. All right, Jake, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, I know we're going to hear from you again very soon because we've got so many things that we've been digging into. And you're the best one to talk about it because you're the one that stays up all night translating stuff. Exactly. All right, dude. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, releases. Everything's getting delayed all throughout the world. So we're down to two things for, I think, the entire month of April. We're just getting started in April, and the only two things are the end of the month. April 26th, although Right Stuff is already sending it out to people. We've already got the unboxing videos and pictures all over the place. Dragon Box Z Volume 5. This is the North American DBZ Dragon Box from Funimation. This one's got, I think, episodes 169 through 209. It might be 210. I have to double check that. The MSRP is 
is $59.98, but you've got great prices elsewhere. Right now, Amazon's got $36.49, and Rice Stuff has $35.99. So they're all in the same ballpark. Great prices there. Only other thing, Julian, over in Germany. Yes, so over in Germany... We have Dragon Ball Z DVD box number nine from publisher Kaze. It's 10 boxes for the series total, so this is the second to last one, and it's based on the French video transfer, so not all that particularly great. Not the Dragon Box version. But it contains DBZ TV episodes 251 to 276, and it's five discs, four to three, and it can be had for 32.45 in euros at Amazon Germany. Yuppers. That's it, so uh, I'm very excited for this. Let's do a couple emails. All right, Julian, these uh, first two emails are for you. So I think I will read them to you and I'll get your in-depth answer. The funny thing is, I think these came in within a day of each other. And you'll see why that's funny as I read them. First one is from Emmanuel. He says, hey, how's the Diazen crew been? That would be Daizenshu. We'll work on that with you folks. Come on now. Spelling. Anyways, always appreciate all the work that goes into the podcast, giving out the latest and most valuable news for the one thing we all treasure. I'm not sure if anyone knew, but the most popular move in the Dragon Ball series, the Kamehameha, or sometimes referred to the Kamehameha Wave, is a royal Hawaiian name which reigned for centuries. Was Akira, I think you mean Toriyama, aware of the roots for the name slash word Kamehameha, or was it one of the many things that that was created from his vast imagination. If you guys have any info, please don't hide it. Keep up with all the fascinating moments and talks on the podcast and don't lose hope in Kai. Well, Kai's over and we never liked it to begin with, so I think we'll smush that aside. <laughs> all right, and then the next email. Uh, this is funny. From Dylan Morgan 17 After watching an episode of the Brady Bunch this week, where on earth is this going? I discovered that Kamehameha technique was named after Hawaiian king Kamehameha. I remember you, Mike, saying the actual naming of the technique is gibberish on one of your sites. One of my sites? I've only got one Dragon Ball site. Whereas on Dragon Ball Wiki, oh god, the literal meaning was stated to be turtle destruction wave. Is the actual naming of the technique meant to have any actual layered ambiguity in its name now julian yes this gives us a wonderful chance you don't know it but we already took many jabs at db wikia when jake and i were talking as you can imagine so we get another chance to do it here let's jump back to some actual quotes from toriyama himself before we break down the word in japanese so daizenshu 4 uh, details the origin of the name, and Toriyama himself mentions how his wife came up with the name while he was working on an attack name for Kame Senin. To borrow Herm's translation, because I don't have the Japanese original in front of me to check, but I, I trust his abilities. My wife was the one who named the Kamehameha. I was fretting, saying, Kame Senin's special attack should be something or other ha, something or other ha, and she said, wouldn't Kamehameha be alright? And that was good, silly, and fit Kame Senin's mood perfectly. Very nice. Now, we had a slight update to that story in the Super Exciting Guide. Yes, so the Super Exciting Guide does mention the connection with King Kamehameha. That's pretty much it, though. It doesn't say, oh, I took it from that name. So now, Julian, I will have to ask you to break down Kamehameha. I will note, because I can at least do this much, the Kamehame, that's all written in hiragana, whereas yes. the ha at the end is kanji, the symbol ha. Yes, so the ha at the end is 
meant to be wave, in this case, like an energy wave or mystical sort of spiritual energy, but that's the gist of it anyway. And then the Kame at the beginning is very obviously borrowed from Kame Senyin's name, which just means turtle, because Kame Senyin is the turtle. Well, hermit is kind of too simple a translation for Senyin. It's sort of in, in ancient Chinese folklore as a Taoist mystic who was able to basically keep control over his body after death and perform mystical feats and all this stuff. So that leaves Hame in the middle, and many people struggling to try and give it some sort of meaning came up with the combination Hametsu, which means destruction. Well, I suppose it could fit, uh, although the kanji in that word are ha and metsu, so you'd be leaving off the end syllable for no good reason. But really, I don't think that the author had that in mind when he was making the name. No, we've got the story that his wife just suggests, hey, how about this? So I guess you could take it over to Mrs. Toriyama and ask her, did you have this meaning in mind when you came up with it? But it seems very unlikely. And the way you've broken down the words saying, well, you know, even if you take it from Hamitsu, you're still dropping like the wrong half of it to try and force a meaning into it. So it seems like Kamehameha, more just takes some inspiration from Kame at the beginning, and he definitely wanted it to be a wave energy attack at the end, and it's just kind of like gibberish fills in the middle. Yeah, and it just happens to be, I mean, maybe she sort of half-remembered the name of the Hawaiian king. You know, Japanese people adore Hawaii. Yeah, it's yeah. probably the most Japanese-friendly place in the entire United States. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if she sort of remembered the name from some distant memory and pulled it out right. when her husband was flailing for an attack name. But I don't think it was intentional at the beginning. So there has been no stated fact that says turtle destruction wave is what it means. You can't really pull that meaning out of it. It's quite forced, especially in that middle section. So uh, I guess that clears that up, right? I'd say so. All right. Well, uh, I read two, so I'm going to ask you to read the last email we'll do here. Okay, the last email comes to us today from Anthony, who says, I have been a fan of the website for almost a year now, and I want to thank you for running an awesome website which helped me get into Dragon Ball. Anyway, I have a question to ask. Since Funimation hasn't released the first Dragon Ball television series in the Dragon Box format, do you think I should buy the season sets until they do, since they don't cost all that much? Now, when I updated about the season two price drop on the website, I noted that at least once a definitely once a month usually once a week we actually get this question from folks should i buy it and i don't know that we can answer the question but i will put a couple things on the table for you season one and two those have price drops now so they're even cheaper than they were before it's four by three it's progressive it's zoomed in a bit eh, and it's got english title cards only eh, and you're missing a couple other things like the uh there's four um, what was it? Four was it four openings or four closing sequences? I can't remember anymore. I think it's two two openings. And there four are two closings. opening sequences and four closing sequences, and the dub of the series. I think the masters that they got, the ones without credits, were only for the first opening and the second closing. <laughs> She's having a great time back there. Uh, they were all set to the same song, so right. It wasn't like they were missing any songs or something like that, but. You know, it, it's kind of a shame. So with that all in mind, the question is, how badly do you want to see the first TV series? It is cheap enough that you can probably grab it. And if you don't mind double dipping later on, we don't know that Funimation is going to do Dragon Boxes for anything other than the D 
CBZ TV series and maybe the movies that original press release notes that we've got no clue. So if you want to see it really bad, now's a good time to jump in with the price drop and uh, at least watch the episodes. I mean, there's some great stuff in there. You're missing out if you have not seen and or read what is not just the first series. It's the first part of the series as a whole. If you jump into the science stuff, you're missing so much wonderful growth and development and back history with these characters. So I absolutely recommend doing it. Julian, people have all these great questions and comments. Where's it going? You can send all questions, comments, responses, etc. by email to podcast at dizx.com. You can also find us on Twitter at dizx for news and site announcements and individually at vdx, Saya Jedi, and Mary TOT. And finally, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dizx. Yeah, I should mention Mary's not here right now. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't even mention at the beginning of the episode. She's off well, doing Well, I figured, stuff. yeah, she's probably doing something important. <laughs> probably not. It's uh, likely devolved into playing a Marvel versus Capcom 3 at this point, but whatever. All right, so I do have to mention before we wrap up, we got some great donations. We got to name some things. Tossed it out there on Twitter just uh, last week or so that, you know, our buddy Heath Hugio from Constantine, we love having him around. We want to have him on the show more often. His headset is terrible. So we wanted to upgrade him to basically the equipment that I'm using here, just minus the mixer, the microphone, and all that jazz. Toss that out there. Oh my God. Lemmy came through, Caster came through, and then we got another one, I think the next day from Star Rot. So I need to mention we have now the Lemmy and Caster Memorial Remote recording studio number one for our buddy Heath, who uh, I think he's actually working this morning. It's a Saturday. He's got crazy shit going on right now. He got stranded on the highway the other day. Poor dude. <laughs> but, um, so uh, I'm really hoping we can get Heath on the show again soon with crystal clear sounding awesomeness. Very, very excited about that. So thank you, Lemmy and Caster. You guys just the mofo mans and then jumping off of that totally unsolicited and this is why i love you guys you really you hear this on so many other places like oh we have the best audience but no fuck them we have the best audience <laughs> dragon ball community you are the best people in the world star rock came through basically covered a bunch of prize stuff that has been going on and that may sound like just oh prizes what, what are you talking about well when you consider the cost of a daizenshu and then sending said daizenshu to australia it costs a little bit of money. So that covered that and a couple other past prize shippings. So I will we'll call this the Star Rot Memorial Daizenshu 4 prize. I appreciate this stuff so much because, I mean, I, I do pay for this out of my pocket and I love doing it. I don't mind doing it. But when some stuff comes through like this, it just makes it all easier. And I don't even have to think twice about, oh, there's a Daizenshu. Let me grab it for you guys. Like, I don't even have to think about it. It's just, of course, I'm going to do that. And we'll, uh, in turn, we share it with everyone. We've got so many great things coming your way in terms of prizes, in terms of content throughout all of Daizenshi EX and of course by extension Kazantai as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys. We don't talk about it often, but if you are interested in donating, there is a button on the homepage. It goes to a page that explains why you might want to do something like this and you can hear that we name items after people from their donations. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I know that a couple other, I don't mean to demean them, but there's 
couple other small ones. Like there's a buck coming in over here. There's five bucks coming in over here. That all goes towards miscellaneous things too. And I'm going to try to catch up with the namings as well, like retroactively apply them to things. Thank you guys. You're fucking awesome. I adore all of you. So let's, I'm not going to mention it anymore. We appreciate it. Julian, let's wrap up this episode. This was 254. It's been great seeing and talking with you today. Although now the laptop (laughs) is literally on your lap and I'm getting a little nauseous as you kind of move it around. Well, I'm sorry. I'm trying to stay out of eyeshot of my daughter because she likes to play with my computer and (laughs) my wife is trying to calm her down. All right. Well, we've reached the end of the episode, so I will let you get to uh, putting the little one to bed here. It's been great talking to you. Well, it's been good talking to you, too. So for Julian over there, my name is Mike. And for Mary, up probably doing something. We will join you guys next week for episode 255. I'm hoping we're up to Manga Review Volume 39, is it? Maybe we're up to 40. I think it's 39. I think we're up to 39, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's 39. I think I updated the number on the outline. I'm pretty sure I took care of that. So uh, we'll try to get to that. I've got some other really, really awesome stuff coming your way. I've got a great interview that I'm working on scheduling. So, um, Julian, all this great stuff, where can it be found? It can be found on the internet at dizex.com that's www.daizex.com so again for myself for julian for mary it's great talking at you folks please come join us on the site on the forum on the chat on the facebook page on the twitter julian wrap it up so thanks for joining us in dies entry the x the podcast this week check us next time Yes. Well, you can eel, eel, you can eel mail. <laughs> <laughs> and that outtake was... number one.